turn to Psalm 139. Um, around 1490, Leonardo da Vinci created this famous drawing known as the Vitruvian Man. I'm going to step out of the way so y'all can see it. It doesn't have the fig leaf on it in the real. I just didn't want to. I didn't know what kind of crowd we would have. And I didn't want anybody to get up and leave in the middle. So, it's the wonders of Photoshop. Um, this, he, Leonardo da Vinci created this in 1490, and it was based on the work of an ancient Roman architect named Vitruvius, um, who had written some things about ideal, an ideal man, male, an ideal man, and what his proportions would be. And Leonardo took these dimensions and created this picture. And if you can see, he's circumscribed by a circle and a square. So when he's kind of in the X, if you put a compass point in his belly button, or navel if you prefer, you can draw a circle, a perfect circle, all the way around, touching his fingertips and his toes. And then the other picture kind of, I guess, superimposed on that is him standing, making a T, and you can draw a square around him. So that is, according to kind of classical thought, that is the ideal man. Here's some things, and you can see if you, I'm out. You can see if you're, if you measure up or not. You have to be six feet tall, first of all, so I was, I'm done. I'm 5'10". Um, a palm is the width of four fingers, so that's three inches. Mine actually is three inches, so I'm good on that. A foot is four palms, so that's 12 inches. A cubit is six palms, or 18 inches. So those are the standard measurements. Your height should be four cubits, which is six feet tall. Again, I'm out. I don't know if any of you are still in the running. There might be a couple of you. The length of your arms is equal to the length of your height. So from here to here is the length of your height. You can do all this when you get home and see if you're the ideal man. This is where it starts getting tricky. The distance from the hairline to the top of the chin is one-tenth of your height. But, or and, the distance from the top of your head to the bottom of your chin is one-eighth of your height. Now, for some of you, your hairline and the top of your head are very close to the same thing. So, I'm not exactly sure how that would work for you or not. Um, the maximum width of your shoulders is a quarter of your height. The distance from the elbow to the tip of your hand is a fifth of your height. From your elbow to your armpit is an eighth of your height. And the length of the hand is a tenth of your height. The distance from the bottom of your chin to your nose is a third of the length of your face. And the distance from your hairline to your eyebrows is also a third. And your ear is also a third. Now this was before I think the new men's ears kept growing no matter how old they get. So that only works when you're a certain age. I looked around a lot to find a Vitruvian woman, and this is the best that I could come up with for that. So they didn't spend nearly as much time thinking about women as they did men. You may or may not know this. This is according to Vanderbilt University. If Barbie was real, she'd have to crawl on all fours because she's so top-heavy. In her arms, she would only have a radius or an ulna because there's not enough space for both bones. Her legs, she would have a tibia or a fibia because there's not enough space for both. And her neck is so thin, she'd have to choose between an esophagus and a trachea. So she could eat or breathe. And based on the way she looked, she would probably choose breathe over eating. And she would wear a size 3 children's shoe. 
everybody has ideals. Some are good, some are bad. In every area of life, we've all got something. Whether it's, I would say that most of us have ideals in several areas. We've got financial ideals, relational ideals. We have ideals about our future. Those things are good. Again, some are good, some are bad. I would say that we all have them, though. And um, we define success based on how we reach our ideals. Success for each of us is different, and it's all based on how on our ideals and how we go about reaching those. For instance, if my ideal is to be a stay-at-home dad, if that's the ideal role for me, then success for me is when I'm a stay-at-home dad. If your ideal is to be the CEO of some company, then success for you is being the CEO of some company. You get that's easy. That makes sense. We've got ideals in all these different areas of our life, and we define success individually based on how close we get to those ideals. So your definition of success is going to be different from mine, different from somebody else's, because most of us have different ideals. What I want us to talk about over the next several weeks, starting today and maybe three or four or five more weeks, is an overarching ideal that God has for all of us and how we go about reaching that or attaining that. This is Psalm 139, starting in verse 13. You've probably all heard this before. So, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. That verse could actually be translated, how precious concerning me. Are your thoughts, O God, how vast is the sum of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Kind of the picture of that to me is God sits wherever he sits, and he's kind of crocheting us in our mother's womb, whatever that looks like. And in my mind, while he's doing that, he's thinking about us. And he's kind of dreaming about our future. And he's saying, oh, and... You know, he's going to do this, and this is where he's going to live, and this is who he's going to marry, and he's going to have this, these kids, and this is what he's going to love, and this is what he's going to do, and this is how long he's going to live. And he's just kind of planning out your life and your life and your life and your life and my life as he's knitting us together in our mother's womb. He has nine months to do that. So he's doing that, and as he's forming us in our mother's womb, he's dreaming about our future. And he has ideals for you or dreams for you in every area of your life. He has dreams for you in terms of your um, vocation. He has dreams for you in terms of family. He has dreams for you in terms of your future and all of those things. Every area of your life, God has dreams for you and he has dreams for me. And those were things that he was dreaming way back when, when he was knitting us together. And what I want us to talk about is one particular dream that he has for all of us. And it's not a generic one-size-fits-all thing, but it's something that he said, this is what I want for everybody. This is the thing that I want for each of you. This is Romans 8.29. For God, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brothers. That verse is God's dream for everybody. He says, I want you to be like Jesus. According to the whoever does this, the life expectancy, the average life expectancy of a person born in the United States is 78 years. You can do the math and see what you've got left. What God's going to say is, let's say you live to the average. In 78 years, you're going to die. When you're 78, you're going to die. 
And he's going to judge your life based on how much you became like Jesus during those 78 years. That's the deal for him. He said, this is what I've predestined you to do. That's, he's predestined. When he's knitting you together, this is what he's thinking about you. That person is going to become like my son. So my son Jesus can be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. That's his goal, his ideal for all of us. And success, we've said, is how close we get to the ideal. And that's how he's going to judge our life. How close did you get? You've got 78 years. How close did you get in those 78 years? How much like Jesus did you become? When you're dead, it's done. There's no more room to change and grow in any of that. But you've got as much time as you've got, 78 years or 80 years or whatever it is you've got. And what God's going to say when you die is how close did you get? This was the standard. This was the ideal for you to become like Jesus. How close did you get to that? And that's how he's going to judge our life in terms of how successful we are. It's not like when your parents have a dream for you and there's something that they want you to do. Your parents ultimately aren't the judge of your life, but God is. And so when he has a dream, that dream also becomes a standard because he's the dreamer and the judge. And so for us, this dream that he has for us also becomes a standard that we live by. Now, that's not a heavy thing. We'll talk about that soon. But I want you to hear that's the standard for all of us to become as much like Jesus as we possibly can in the 78 years or whatever it is that we have. And there are things that God will use that are outside of our control. There's circumstances that he'll use in our life. There's all, we, don't have, we can't do anything about that. All we do is respond. But there are things, there are actually tools that we can give God to use to shape us. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next three or four or five or six weeks. What I want to do today is just kind of lay a foundation to get you moving in that direction. When we talk about being conformed to the image of Jesus, you know I'm not talking about growing beards and being wandering. Pre- it has nothing to do with externals. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says God looks at the heart. It has everything to do with your insides. We've talked about this before. Biblically, your heart's the center of who you are, the core of your personality. It's where your mind, will, and emotions all kind of connect and live. Your heart is you. It's you. That's what your heart is, and that's the part of you that God wants to become like Jesus. And it's not this generic one-size-fits-all where we're all the same. God works individually in each of us, and it's going to look different. For me to look like Jesus will look different than Jason because I'm not Jason, which will look different from Felicia because neither one of us is her. There's some common elements that are going to, you can see some common characteristics, but it's individual, just like God's dreams for you are individual. There's common elements in all of them, but he tailors things to us because we're all different folks. And this idea of becoming like Jesus, it's not a matter of mass producing Jesus on the earth. And so there's a billion of robot, Jesus wrote, that's not what it is at all. God's working in our hearts and he's using the uniqueness of how he's made us to reflect his glory and to reflect the image of Jesus. We'll talk more about that in the next few weeks. Now, you may say that sounds like graduate level Christianity. I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm good with my sins being forgiven. I'm trying to do the right thing and I'll be happy if I go to heaven when I die. This conform to the image of Jesus, that's, that's not for me. I'm not there yet. I'm in remedial Christianity, and this is, I'm not, this is what I want to say to you. This is the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And it's not just about 
Again, it's not about God mass-producing Jesus on the face of the earth. This is my belief. Jesus lived life better than anyone in the history of the world has ever lived life. That, and it's, as we become more like him, we'll live life better too. Jesus lived life better than anyone has ever lived it. So that's him here. And as we become more like him, we'll find ourselves living life better as well. Your life will be better the more you become like Jesus. Some of you don't believe that. That's okay. You will live your life better the more you become like Jesus. Your life might not get any easier, but you'll live it better. Because he lived life as well as anyone could ever live it. How can I say that? Set aside for the fact that he started the most influential movement in the history of the world that's done more to help anybody than any organization, movement, or government ever has. Set aside for for now the fact that the Bible, the book that tells us the most about him, is not just the best-selling book of all time. It's the best-selling book of the year every year. If you can imagine the same book being the best-seller every year, how does that happen? Everyone's got it, and they keep buying it. It's the best-selling book every year. Jesus was so influential, history actually hinges. You have two eras, before his life and after him. Who else divides history? He's lived life better than anyone ever has. And even if that that doesn't do it for you, think about what we talked about last week. To me, the resurrection validates the way Jesus lived his life. It doesn't, the resurrection doesn't just guarantee that when you die, you're going to go to heaven if you put your faith in him. The resurrection validates the way Jesus lived. We said last week, there's been about 120 billion people who've ever lived. You've got 119,999,999,999 over here. And those are all the people that have lived and died. From Hitler to Mother Teresa to your grandmother, all of them, good, bad, all of that is over here. 119,999,999,999. Over here you have a guy that lived and died and rose again. And that's Jesus. That to me means he did something that these other guys didn't do. There was something he knew about life that these other guys didn't know. And to me, that's God's stamp that says, look at him. It validates everything he ever said or did. Because he's the only one that called his own shot. That said, I'm going to be raised from the dead in three days. And then actually was raised from the dead in three days. And never died again. So that puts him in this category over here. And so I can say he lived life better than anyone else because he's the only one that passed the final exam. He didn't die. Everybody else fails. He's the only one that passed it. So who am I going to listen to? Think about your ideal in some area of your life. And imagine the person who you think is as close to that ideal as possible. Take an easy one. If your ideal is to be a great golfer, in your mind is probably Tiger Woods. Maybe Jack Nicklaus, but probably Tiger Woods. Now imagine that Tiger Woods is on your speed dial and he will come and give you private lessons whenever you want. And then imagine not only that, he will inject you with Tiger Woods DNA so your insides, you will get the physical and mental capacities that he has to do what he does. That's what we're talking about. This is what, this is the, God's desire for all of us. The ideal is that we become like Jesus. And he doesn't just say, I'll give you a private lesson whenever you want it. He says, I'm going to inject you with what you need to be able to do these things. This isn't a heavy thing. This isn't something else to go on your to-do list and, oh, one more thing to feel guilty about because I don't look a whole lot like Jesus. No. He'll give you the resources that you need. It's not even like an open book test. It's like he downloads the information into you so it's a part of you. 
before you take the test. He gives you everything that you need in here to be able to live up to the standard that He set out here. You can't beat that. What you've got is this one guy that's one at life. This one guy that's lived life better than anyone has ever lived it. And what he's saying is, not only am I going to tell you how to do it, I'm going to give you what you need. Jesus didn't live life well because he was God. That doesn't help us because we're not. It doesn't do any good for God to set an example for humans because humans aren't God. We can't do what he does. Again, it's Tiger Woods. It doesn't, show me. Swing. Show me. It doesn't do me any good because I'm not you. I don't have whatever the fast twitch muscle thing, whatever that is, I don't have it. It doesn't do me any good. And that's not why Jesus lived life well, because He was God. Jesus lived life well because He was fully dependent upon the resources of the Holy Spirit. And we can do that. God has promised His Holy Spirit to all of us so we can have the same resources, the same things that allowed Jesus to live life so well. We can have those things. John 8, 29, I think it is, Jesus says everything he did pleased the Father. That's the definition of a perfect life. If everything you did pleased the Father, that's a perfect life. And that's an audacious statement. But God validated it by raising Jesus from the dead. If it was a lie, Jesus would still be dead. Lying's a sin, and we all know we're sinners. We're liars, God. Jesus isn't there. The fact that he said, everything I do pleases the Father. His resurrection, God said, yes, that's a true statement. That's a perfect life. And he did that. Everything he did pleased the Father. He did that as a man, full of the Holy Spirit. You can do that. I can do We can do that. The Holy Spirit is available to us. to do. We don't have to be God to do that. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. I was thinking about this um, This is the goal. This is what we want to be. God has something in mind for all of us. He wants us to look like Jesus on the inside. So let's take that as this. Will you hold that? Thanks. And this is how we start. And this is what we start out as. We're a lump of clay. Good, bad, or whatever. And this is where we want to be. And the deal is, clay doesn't form itself. It's not up to you to try to become like this. There's a potter, and it's not you. And it's not me, which takes all the pressure off. The potter is the Father. And what he'll do, if you'll cooperate with him, he'll take this and make this over the 78 years of your life. He will. I promise you he will. He said, that's what I intended to do. Predestined. That means before he thought about that way back when. Before anything else, he he determined that this would happen. This is your destiny. This is your reality right now. This is your destiny. And if you'll cooperate with him, I promise you, this will become this over the course of the 78 years you have on this earth. And there'll be times where it's good, and there'll be times where it's bad, whatever. This is what you'll become. Because this is what he has for you. And he said, I'm going to do it. You don't have to do it. You're not the potter. You're the lump of clay, and clay can't form itself. So take the pressure off. All you have to do is agree with the Lord. That's the ideal. That's what I want to be. And we're going to talk over the next four or five weeks about the different tools that we actually give God to use, which is a pretty amazing thing. God created us, and what he's done is he's given us the tools that we then give back to him to take us from here to here, which is a pretty amazing thing.
we give him what he needs to do that. You want all that? That's a little messy. Nobody gets, in my opinion, nobody lucks into their ideal. No one just falls into it. You have to walk intentionally towards it, or you don't. If you don't, you're not going to get there. Even if it's something as random as winning the lottery. Nobody's ever won the lottery without buying a ticket. You've got to do something. You have to take some step forward. It requires some purpose or intentionality on your part. You've got to move forward. This is the goal, and this, so I'm going to walk towards that goal. And the same thing is true when it comes to becoming like Jesus. It's not just going to happen. Now, you don't have to grit and groan and do all that kind of stuff. God will form you and shape you. But it will require some intentionality on your part and my part. We have to walk towards it. None of us are just going to luck into becoming like Jesus. And again, when I say that, you think, well, that doesn't really, I don't care a whole lot about becoming like Jesus. Again, I would tell you, the closer you get to him, I promise you, the better you will live life. Because nobody lived life better than him. That's how it is. If Tiger Woods is the best golfer, the more your golf game becomes like his, the better golfer you will be. Jesus lived life as well as anybody, and the more you become like him, I promise you, the better you will live your life. doesn't mean your life necessarily is going to get a whole lot better. I think it will, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. But it means you'll be able to live it better, and that's kind of the promise for all of us. This isn't about God's ego and him saying, I want to make all these clones of Jesus. It's about God's love saying, you have a destiny, and it's wonderful, and it's beautiful, and it's to look like Jesus because he's wonderful and beautiful. And it's for you to live your life well. And he lived it better than anybody. So why wouldn't we follow after him? So that's kind of where we're going over the next few weeks. Um, Y'all can be praying about that. Really, the only thing that you need to do, the only thing I'd ask, is that you say, you know what, I'll, if you're willing to, just say that you'll be intentional. We're going to talk every week about little things that we can do and they're not going to be hard. Just some little things that we can do. And the only thing I would ask is that you try them for a week. If you hate it after a week, okay. Just try them for a week and we'll see what happens. Let's pray.